welcome to the Parents at Work Teen Time Clinic podcast. These clinics are an opportunity to dip into a short Q&A session and ask a question for yourself that may help another parent going through a similar issue. The format for the show is always the same. I will do a short intro and we will then have questions that people have sent in to me or are the most common questions I get asked in private parenting sessions. This month's topic is boundaries for independence and is an opportunity to consider what a boundary even is, as opposed to a rule, for example, and how they can be used as a way to ensure everyone is working to the same standard in the home. Before I start, I would like to set the scene for brain development in the teenage years. Their brain is going through the second biggest redesign of its life. The only other time it worked that hard was when it was a baby and it was learning how to crawl and communicate and learn fine motor skills and complex things like multiple instructions. Heavens, you know, some of us can be working well into their 20s and beyond on multiple instructions. In adolescence, their amygdala, the part of the brain that is great at spontaneous decision making, is firing on all cylinders. Um, It's what feeds the you only live once attitude and that can lead to spontaneous decisions that even surprise the teenagers themselves. The part that makes considered decisions and is about reason is undeveloped and that's the prefrontal cortex and it can take time for that to develop sometimes up until 24 years old. But we can actually encourage the brain to develop at a faster pace because it's malleable. During this time of massive growth spurt, it's also a time of massive pruning. It's that use it or lose it kind of focus. So discussing decision-making skills with them and helping them to understand their behavior, so building social-emotional skills, are great skills for life to introduce at this age. Things that affect brain development at this age are drugs, both the legal and the illegal kind, alcohol, trauma, to name but three of the most prolific influences that I get asked about. And look, trauma can be seeing your parents argue, being lied to, losing trust, faith, being bullied, being abused, watching porn. The list is endless and it's their trauma, not your trauma. So it's what they don't feel equipped to handle at all and not what you deem they should be able to handle, which is possibly where we get this major rise in anxiety that we're seeing at the moment and parents going, hey, you know, what's going on? It's because perhaps we're not understanding the level of sensitivity that a child has and what we've considered normal, they do not consider normal at all and and it's considered a trauma in their brain or in their body. So how do we consider all of this and have a harmonious house, I hear you ask? I know, right? Let's start by saying that perhaps we should agree a focus for the purpose of the boundaries that we want to set. Everything should have a purpose and its purpose should be known by all because that sets the standard of awareness so everyone knows what's important to everyone else. I'll give you an example. For me, I don't like swearing. I find I wasn't brought up um, around swearing being okay and I find it's an excuse for not 
admitting that you feel frustrated or irritated or something is, you know, sometimes it's just lazy and you can't be bothered to find another word. And I hear teens so often swear and they're extremely happy or they're excited or they think it's really cool. Um, But for me, there always seems to be a level of aggression that comes through the swear words. And even if someone is saying it in a, you know, in a happy or playful way. So everyone in our house knows there's a boundary there. They can swear with each other. They can swear out of the house. Sometimes the swearing is normal with their friends, but not around me. So what is the consequence of pushing that boundary? Look, sometimes it's just a look. That's all they need. And they know they've crossed that boundary. And they'll say a quick, oh, look, sorry, whoops, um, me bad, my bad. Um, or I might have to verbalize that warning and say, you know, that's not okay. Uh, it might be, I'll just go, excuse me. Sometimes it's a clearer none of that, thank you. And sometimes I have to read that there's more going on than they can express. And actually, I have to take time to ask what's up. That's unlike you to speak in that way. What's going on? Hey, you know I don't like that, so you must be trying to say something to me. It might be me that's done the swearing. And then I go straight, I I will always go, you know what, that just shows you how frustrated I am. I'm sorry, I'm going to take myself off to calm myself down. In every situation behavior is a form of expression so rather than make the boundary about control I always say let's make it part of an agreement that's known by all parties as a standard of respect and decency which means that we raise our children to be responsible and accountable members of the community we raise them to be independent members of the community not just constantly well behaved in our house and then badly behaved outside or badly or badly behaved in our house and well behaved outside. Kind of, we've got to get that consistency so that they are at ease with being themselves and and um, have a settlement in themselves wherever they go. So we fast track the prefrontal cortex decision making process. Let's head to some questions. My first one is how do you know when it's time to hand over the reins and allow a young teen to start making their own decisions? And, dare I say it, their own mistakes. Is it, a, is it a control thing going on? So yes, it is. As a child grows up, they want to feel they have some self-agency. Some agency over their own lives and their own body. They want to feel they have a say. They are, and guess what, you know, they are physically and psychologically programmed to become independent from us and to learn this. So you're on a losing fight if you want them to stay attached to you and with you forever, um, even for the next, you know, five, ten years or whatever. You, you're, lo- you're on a losing streak because biologically they're programmed to do completely the opposite. So to fight against them isn't really going to work. Um, start, uh, and also, of course, if, if you restrict them and you fight that process, they find clever ways to bypass us. And if you think back to our teenage years, we learned how to do the same. We told our parents what they needed to know, and then we went and did exactly what we wanted to do. Not proud of it. And when it goes against your biological um, makeup, it's much better. It's much simpler if we can work with them rather than against them. So... It's time when you see the behavior um, being a form of communication. So um, sometimes it's as early as eight. 
Other times it's younger, it's at, you know, three, four. Um, sometimes it's much later and, and actually they they only really start wanting that independence around 12 or 13, 14, 15. Next question, how young should you start giving your children space to make their own decisions? It's interesting that these questions have come in when, it, when it we're talking about boundaries because obviously there's a decision-making process that makes them want to push that boundary. So thank you for making them the actual, you know, taking a step back from the actual boundary and building some um, self-agency. Great questions. Chances are you're already starting late uh, because this is a teen podcast. So unless you've got younger siblings, we're on the back foot slightly here. Uh, I know friends who've got their kids helping with the washing at three years old and they work out what's the whites, what's the darks, what goes in there, what shouldn't go in a wash. You know, they get the stool, they help each other put the, um, it in, they, you know, they, they hold the cup while the other one pours. You know, there's a lot of teamwork goes on either between the siblings or the parents and the siblings. It's amazing to see actually how much they enjoy being part of household chores, but I'll do that as another podcast. It helps them to understand being part of a team, which means that when there's a boundary in place, they actually understand why it's there. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's an age and more importantly, a personalized development appropriate guide for them to ensure they feel loved, cared for, supported and safe. And, you know, teens I speak to who don't have boundaries talk about feeling unsafe and that their parents don't seem to care and they translate that as not feeling loved. Hmm. It's worth uh, taking a moment to really consider that. They love the friends who don't have boundaries, but uh, the kids who don't have the boundaries actually don't. My teen keeps ignoring the boundaries I'm putting in place. How do I deal with that? Yay! Uh, By sitting down and talking to them. What's going on? What are they not liking? What are they not agreeing with? Are they ready for more independence? Are they perhaps starting that conversation but wanting to go too fast too soon? Do they have a foundation upon which those conversations about healthy relationships can be had or healthy boundaries can be had? I often hear about things going wrong in teenage years around boyfriends and girlfriends because there's not a foundation to talk about those sorts of respectful relationships from a young age. Uh, Next question. My idea of a boundary and theirs seems to be poles apart. (laughs) Where do I start? (laughs) Okay, well, again, do each of you know what your values and therefore your boundaries would be? If I would suggest taking a step back. Let's make this about you for a minute rather than you know, um, what, you know seeing the discrepancy between the boundaries. Let's help you check that your boundaries are what you want to have your boundaries and what they're based on. So make space to for yourself to uh, sit down, make a list of your values, make a list of the ones that are negotiable and the ones that are non-negotiable. Make a list of what rules you have in your home next. Separate sheet of paper, right? So you've got one sheet of paper, which has got your values, one column that's negotiable, one column that's not negotiable. Um, And on some lists, I've seen that they're just the non-negotiable values. And I think, fair enough, you know how you feel, you know what you like, you know what you want. Then make a list of the rules that you have in your home, again, on a separate sheet of paper. Then have a look at the list side by side and check if your values and your rules 
are similar if you can understand what they're, you know, why they're there. Okay, then I'd like you to just sit back and consider from an, a, a slightly one step away perspective. Have a look back at your list of values. And I want you to put a little note next to each of them. Do they come from society? Do they come from your parents? Do they come from your culture, your religion? Or where do they come from? So that you can understand how your values were shaped. Go to the rule sheet. Do the same. See if you're surprised by anything that you see in that list. And if you like, start another sheet of paper or turn your sheet of paper over and write down ones that actually are ones you feel are yours, not necessarily picked up from someone else. What are yours? If you feel that you've done that really well, and you may want to pause the audio in order to do it, I would say, if you can, Put your thoughts to one side and now put yourself in your teen's place and do two lists the same. What do you think their boundaries are and what do you think their rules are for themselves? Hopefully you'll learn something about yourself and about your your teen because it's really interesting to really consider where they come from so you can understand how some boundaries really are at odds with your teens. I will often, when I'm working with a family, get everyone individually do this this exercise and then get them all to sit around a table and they actually start to understand where the clashes come with the families, how some of their values, their core values clash. Um, it's important then to have the conversation with your teen, make space for it, be ready, be the adult, be um, the facilitator of the conversation. If it gets emotional, I would say call time on it and, and regroup and come back and do it another time. You cannot do this when you're emotional or when it gets too heated. Enjoy that one. That's one of my favorite things to do and is is well worth giving a go. Now, um, my daughter wants to go out later than I'm comfortable comfortable for her to do so. What should I do? Look, this is another one that perhaps is based on the previous one. Ask yourself what you're worried about. Um, if they're too young and they're trying to do things or they, they, you're worried about their safety, then express that to them. Let them know what you're worried about. Again, this should be done at a time where, you know, maybe you're doing your driving hours or you're um, sitting having a meal, but it's not too intense. You're not sitting looking at each other and it's, you know, sitting across the table and, you know, we're going to have this intense conversation. You want them to understand what's going on, but also you want them, you don't want them to be labored by your worries about what's going to happen to them at a party, because they may have thought of all of that. Um, them going out with your worries on their shoulder makes them think that they might be in more danger than they're aware of. And even though their brain isn't developed yet, and it's good to talk through those consequences, a lot of teens that I see with anxiety, it's not their worries, it's their parents' worries that are living in their body. Therefore, they don't feel equipped to deal with why they're worrying. So I just put it out there because it's really well worth asking yourself, you know, whose worry is it? Do they feel equipped to, to talk about it? And when you're, it's about going out late, 
ask them why they need to be out that late what why they need to if all of their friends are well actually talk to the other parents and check if if that's actually true um always keep that good safe plan you know how are they going to get there how do they get home do they have a code for calling home if they need to pick up in an emergency and on that note always say where you're going to be so you don't have to faff around explaining why you're not where you should be when you call for that emergency call ask why you're going in the first place and are you going to fit in or to impress someone they start to think about some emotional intelligence and um, they then put boundaries in place for themselves what are good consequences well the best consequences are the ones that you have agreed together and um, boundaries that uh, that are both reasonable and that you've agreed a good consequence together so that they are realistic and when the boundary is flaunted perhaps you can then go okay what just happened Um, you remember when we had that conversation about the boundaries what did you do what was the consequence we agreed okay in that case reinforce it and follow through with that consequence always reinforce and appreciate what has been done within the boundaries then it puts less focus on trying to break the boundary to get attention. Now a point to consider, how about you consider some boundaries for yourself as well and give your team permission to set some boundaries for you. Oh my gosh, I can feel the trigger that that might be for some who are listening to this. It certainly was for me. I had one that was, you know, don't just walk into my bedroom. How about knocking on the door and waiting for a come in before I go in? I thought that was very fair. Let me tell you, it was harder to do than I thought. Um, Not going to school anymore, but dropping them at the gate. Not kissing them at school. No PDA, mom. Hey, there comes a point where they actually get teased for that. Therefore, it's a threat to them and their safety and security at school. Um, You may be surprised at the boundaries they suggest for you. You may not like them. You may need to negotiate them. But if you're asking them to Um, negotiate with you you need to negotiate with them as well so remember all behavior is a form of communication and teens are working with a brain that is rejigging to deal with the new requirements of upcoming independence and more complex relationships at a time they are constantly learning through an education system that has a pace and agenda that can't easily bend to individual growth patterns. So home needs to be that space. It really does. It's always much easier to work on a health and balance model rather than trying to fix or address an issue once it exploded. So honesty and getting support for yourself if you're not handling it would be my number one tip for those healthy parent-child relationships. If there is trust, no matter what, and love for each other, then everything is possible. Be consistent, predictable, and reliable. Thank you for listening to this month's episode, and I look forward to catching up with you again next month when we cover communication challenges. Quite appropriate, I suspect, after today's podcast. Feel free to check out the Parents at Work um, platform to see if there is any um, further support that they can offer you. And if you need some extra support, then consider some parenting mentoring. Take care. Till next time. Bye.